identifying and breaking evil family circles. Identifying and breaking evil family circles. Some people will say evil family patterns. Circle is something that goes round and round and round and round in a setup. So we want to look at the scriptures this morning and we will give ourselves some few minutes to go before the Lord to plead our way through, to plead our cause where we are found wanting. Quickly, we want to look at the key scripture from Jeremiah chapter 31, verse number 29. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse number 29. The word of the Lord declares in Jeremiah 31, verse 29. It says, in those days, they shall say no more. The fathers have eaten a sour grape and the children's teeth are set on edge. In those days they shall say no more. And I believe that this is a time that every one of us don't need to die because of somebody's sin. I believe this is the time that awareness must come to us as we journey along with Christ in his kingdom that we don't need to suffer any calamity, any casualty because of somebody's sin that he has seen yesterday. When you read on, I'll come back to verse 30 of the same Jeremiah 31. The word of the Lord said, he said, but everyone shall die for his own iniquity. And every man that eateth the sour grape, his teeth shall be set on edge. 31. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Can somebody say Amen. So this has been a proverb in the land of Israel in the olden days. But it got to a time that God had to rebuke the house of Israel and said to them that it shall no more be like that. That somebody will eat sour grape and then I who has not have a taste of the sour grape, I will be suffering the pain while the person is eating sour grape. So he said, no, I'm going to bring a new covenant. And with this new covenant, nobody would die for somebody's iniquity. If you sin, you die for your sin. So if you read further, or if you go to the book of Ezekiel, you realize that God said, the soul that sinned shall die. So if my grandpa have committed any kind of abomination, he must bear the consequences, but not me to bear the consequences. Is somebody here with me? Now, so, 
most of us, all of us sitting here, including myself, the speaker, the preacher today, we have been going through some kind of generational curses. Some compromises that our great-grandparents have compromised in their lifetime. Some covenant, evil covenants that they have cut somewhere. And some things that they have done in the secret and in darkness. The repercussion comes over us, the children, and the children's children. And then we carry the load like that and we carry the repercussion. And then we continue. Even though we come to Christ, uh, it is not easy for us. But today, we want to look at some one or two key scriptures that will reinform us again. To some of you under the sound of my voice, you might be well informed of what I'll be sharing with you today. But to some of you also, you are not informed. So listen carefully, and then we'll see how best we can do. Believing God to take ourselves out from anything that does not bring glory to the family. Can somebody say amen? amen? So, we will not set our teeth at edge when the fathers enjoy the sour grape. So, anybody who is eating the sour grape must bear the consequences himself or herself. And so, today, we'll try to free ourselves by the teaching of the scripture or by the exposition of certain scriptures that the Lord had given to me. Can the house say amen again? Amen. Now, so, number one, I said identifying. It means that we individually have to identify. To identify, you have to trace. If anything that you don't trace, you cannot identify it. And I know that most of us, we don't care to make research from our backgrounds. We don't virtually ask questions. We don't ask questions our, to, with our, from our grandparents, our parents, and we are just in like that. Sometimes our grandparents don't even inform us about anything. And our parents also, who come to inherit their parents, also don't inform us about anything. So, we are in Christ, all right. We have been baptized with the Holy Spirit, okay. We are tongue-speaking believers, and yet there are certain battles that we keep on battling. It must be over. I say it must be over. In Jesus' mighty name. So, pattern or circle can be positive, it can be negative. Anything called circle, anything called pattern, any pattern. For instance, God gives the pattern as to how the ark should be built. God also gave the pattern as to how the ark of the covenant should be built. The first ark, I refer to the ark, the Noah's ark. God also gave the pattern as to how the tabernacle should be built and be organized. Where things must be placed and where things must not be placed. Those are the patterns of God, positive. So, in some homes or some families, they have positive patterns or circles. 
that a grandfather have inherited from his father, from the great-grandfather, and a father inherited from the grandfather, and a child inherited from the father. So also, it goes with the mother circle. But where the pattern or the circle is evil, where the foundation is faulty, when children begin to grow up, that faulty foundation, that evil circle, begin to affect children. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Don't shut your mouth. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Now, so, when we're talking about parting or evil circle, evil circle reoccurs periodically in our homes. I'll just give you one simple example, then we'll move into the scriptures. Sometimes you see, when you are sick, you go to hospital. The medical doctor begin to question you and ask you a lot of questions. And he will ask you questions and ask you questions and ask you questions. You ask you questions relating to your grandfather. You ask you questions relating to your grandmother. You ask you questions relating to your great-grandfather, your great-grandmother, to your grandfather, to your mother, to your father, to your siblings, to your cousins, to your aunties, to your uncles. What is that doctor doing? He's trying to trace family history. When I was, I wouldn't say when I was, anytime that somebody comes to me for, for prayer or for deliverance, I don't just get up and say I am full of the Holy Spirit and I have the giftings of the Holy Spirit and therefore I will just lay my hands and begin to pray. Mostly, I will question the person, especially when the situation is more of the spiritual. I've been to hospital, I've been to hospital, and the doctor said, I'm not seeing anything wrong with you. Then it means that it is not medical. So I have to sit you down and begin to question you. Any deliverance minister you go to will question you to know about your family history, to find out whether the situation in which you are now there has been a real occurrence in generations past. Is somebody hearing me? So, medical doctors do the same. They trace our family history. So, when they trace the family history, then at a point they will conclude and say, oh, this kind of sickness or disease you are carrying, it is in the bloodline. It's in the genes of the family. Typical example is hypertension. Typical example is sugar diabetes. Now, so these are few, one or two examples I'm giving. And these things are evil. So why is it called evil circle? It's called evil circle because your grandfather inherited that sugar diabetes from his father. Who is your great-grandfather? Then your father, the thing is also passed on to your father. Then your father kind of also pass it on unto you. But when you look into the family also, you realize that it was not only your father alone who suffered that sickness or that disease. His brothers and his other cousins also suffered the same thing. 
Is somebody hearing me? It's an evil circle. And once you identify it, you trace it, and you identify it, you must do frantic effort through prayer, believing God that it shall be minus you. I think your amen. amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It's an evil circle because it claims lives. I received a message yesterday that a fellow minister of the gospel had died. And I was so shocked. I said, how could that man die? In the first place, I knew he was residing in Nigeria. He came to Ghana about two months ago to bury somebody and I knew that he's gone back. Then I was told that he had come back and was living in Ghana for about a month. So what killed him? They said he went to the bathroom and in the bathroom he had an attack and then he fell in the bathroom. And when they took him to the hospital, they realized that it was his pressure, hypertension. So within some few hours, the man of God passed. Now, when you take such a man like that and you trace his genealogy or family history, you realize that that pressure or that hypertension that claimed his life suddenly could be found in other family members. And you know hypertension is a silent killer. Are you hearing me this morning? It's a silent killer. Now, and it is always said that it is passed on from one generation onto another generation. I will use myself as a typical example. There's nothing wrong when I use myself as an example. Uh, a good teacher must always set up example that reflects in his life or her life. Can somebody say amen? amen? Now, when you look at me, I look very healthy. Very healthy. But if I inform you that I'm on a pressure pill, you will not believe it. I'm on a pressure pill, but you will not believe it. But I look very healthy. I look very strong. Now, when this thing began to happen in my life, and it happened in the life of my brother. It's happening in the life of my sisters. Then we realize that when we trace it, we realize that the same problem was with our dad. But our dad, our daddy died at the time that we could not find out from him whether he also picked it from his daddy. Are you here now? I know some of you are sitting up now. <laughs> now, so these are some of the things we call evil. Why is it evil? Because it will just claim your life like that. It will distort your progress in life. The success that God wants you to achieve, to chalk in life, you see yourself, you are climbing, then you get to a certain level, then it is over. Then it is just cut short. It is evil. It is evil in some families, that in some families... One or two people rises up in the family, but they don't go far. They rise up and rise up and rise up, but they don't go far. 
They get to a certain level in their life, then they get stuck. And that's the end of their rising. They will struggle on team. They will die. When they die, it is transferred to probably their sons and their daughters. They will also come rising out. They get to a point, team. They stop. Then it continues. As you are hearing me, you look into your family background and you realize that there have been certain reoccurrence from your background. You look at your life. You look at your siblings, your brothers and sisters. Then you look at your cousins, your aunties, your uncles, your father's brothers, your father's sisters. Then to the third or maybe to the second generation or to the first generation, then you can see that, ah, what Fafali is sharing with us right now, it is true because I can see some traces like that in my family history. If it is true, you can say, yes, it is true. To those who say, yes, it is true, the Lord will bring you out. Hallelujah. So, it is evil because, you see the thing, Father went this way and he was not prosperous in life. And then, as his children are coming up, they're also going the same way that their father have been before. Ladies and gentlemen, your Christianity will never deliver you from that. Your Christianity will never deliver you from that. Anything that is genetic, anything that can be traced to the family history, you must, you must, you must, you must revolutionize yourself. You must be angry at it. And said, I don't want to go the same way that my great, great, great parents have gone. And it didn't work for them. Hallelujah. Quickly, we want to look at the lifestyle of Abraham, Father Abraham. So I'll take you to the book of Genesis, chapter 12. Genesis, chapter 12. When you look at Genesis chapter 12 from verse 10, the word of the Lord said, and there was a famine in the land. And Abraham went down into Egypt to sojourn there. For the famine was grievous in the land. And it came to pass, when he was come near to enter into Egypt, that he said unto Sarai, his wife, Behold now, I know that thou art a fair woman to look upon. The fairness there doesn't mean Sarai was really fair in complexion. The fairness there is talking about beautiful. So if you are fair to look upon, the woman was so beautiful, so beautiful to the extent that any man that look at her, would desire her. Hello? Are you here with me? The beautiful ladies among us, they know what I'm talking about. By the time you leave your home and say you are going to the market and come back, uh, about five men have already stopped you on the road trying to 
have your contact number. Two of us. Come on, talk to me. Two of us. The way you are quiet, I don't like it. Two of us. Let the ladies talk. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay, maybe let me find out from the, from the guys, the gentlemen. If, don't, don't, don't behave too, too holy. You yourself. Me, sometimes when I'm on stage and I'm driving. And the, 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 the men here, they know. The men who drives, they own their kind, they drives. What betrays you when your wife is sitting by your side? You see, when our wives are sitting by our side and we are driving, the road is your front. The road is not by your side. The road is not behind you. The road is not in the driving mirror at your side, your side mirror. The road is your front. Three of us. So, when you are driving uh, an object, <laughs> then an object that is fair to look upon, try to obstruct you, and then you try to praise the Lord. Now, so Sarai was a beautiful woman to look upon. So, the Bible said, when Abraham had left his city because of famine, and he was going into Egypt, before he would enter this Egypt, he stopped and said, my wife Sarah, where we are going, you are a very beautiful woman. Very beautiful. Any man that sees you would like to have you. So, listen to me. Move it to the next verse. Therefore, it shall come to pass, when the Egyptians shall see thee, shall see you, that they shall say, this is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will save your life. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Say, I pray thee, thou art my sister. We're trying to run. That's how we're trying to Hello? Abraham, we're trying to run. Yes, he has lied. Don't be too holy. The man has lied. But in reality, Abraham had married her cousin. Sarai was her cousin that he married. But he stopped there as soon as the woman has become your wife. When the woman becomes your wife, it's no more your sister. It's your wife. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But Abraham told the wife, because you are beautiful, and Egyptians would like to have you and kill me and take over you, please spare my life. When we get to the border, and they ask you, this is my brother. I am his sister. And let's see the next verse. What is there? And it came to pass that when Abraham was come into Egypt, the Egyptians beheld the woman that she was very beautiful. The princess also of Pharaoh saw her and commended her before Pharaoh. The princess were not qualified. So they said, this one, the king himself must have her. So they commended 
Sarah. They say, hey, oh, honey, or baby, I yes, shan't have a pound. And yes, they cry. Share. Oh, honey, where they fat our You got to have her. So they went to commend her before Pharaoh. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. And the woman was taken to Pharaoh's house. So they got there. But you know something? When Sarah was taken to Pharaoh's house, it brought a blessing to Abraham. It brought a blessing to Abraham. And Abraham became rich in cattle, rich in this, rich in that, rich in that, just because of Sarah, his wife, that was taken from him to the Pharaoh's palace. Now, in your mind, you'll be asking a question. Does that mean that Sarah became Pharaoh's wife? No. Because God restricted Pharaoh. That Pharaoh did not have sexual intercourse with Sarah. No. God restricted him. So, eventually, they got to know that Sarah actually was not Abraham's sister, but it was the wife. So, they have to let, give her away, back to the husband, to Abraham, and then ask them to leave and go. So, what do we identify here? We identify here, number one, that Abraham has lied about his wife. That the wife was a sister. Let's go to the next scripture and we look at something. Now, when you look at Genesis chapter 26, Genesis chapter 26, from verse number 6, Genesis chapter 26, okay, take me back to verse 1. Genesis chapter 26, verse 1. And there was a famine in the land, Beside the first famine, that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went unto Abimelech, king of the Philistines, unto Gerah. Can we see some traces there? The father, there was a famine. And the father took his wife. And they left their city. And they were going into Egypt to look for greener pastures. Now, Abraham had died. Gone. But his son Isaac now is a man, his wife. And in his time also, there was another famine. So when this famine happened, Isaac remembered that, ah, in my father's time, when there was a famine, my father took my mother and they went into Egypt and they came back with riches. So me too, I'll do the same. There's nothing wrong about that. It's a good pattern. But let's see the other side of it. Move it. And the Lord appeared unto him and said, Go not down into Egypt, dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. Keep moving. So John in this land, and I will be with thee, and will bless thee, for unto thee, and unto thy seed, I will give all these countries, and I will perform the oath which I swear unto Abraham your father. Hallelujah. 
So there was a covenant between God and Abraham, the father of Isaac. And the covenant has not been fulfilled yet. So God had to stop Isaac at the city of Gerar and said, do not go into Egypt as your father did. You just stay here in this city and I will fulfill the covenant blessing that I have, I have covenanted with your father. And I will give all these countries that you see that you are sojourning on as a stranger, I will give them all unto you. I pray for you this morning. May every promise that you have received from God, may it be fulfilled in your lifetime. I say, may it be fulfilled in your lifetime. In Jesus' mighty name. So, Isaac obeyed God and he stayed. But let's see the next thing, what happened. And I will make thy seed to multiply as the stars of heaven and will give unto thy seed all these countries. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. May you be blessed plus your generations unborn. There are some lands in the city that your parents could not acquire. But you have the mandate to acquire those lands. And I pray that the heavens open for your life. I pray that the heavens favor your cause. I pray that the heaven cause you to possess what God has promised that you shall possess. In the name of our Lord Jesus. Can you shout a louder amen? Because that Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. And Isaac dwell in Gerah. He obeyed. He dwell. But let's see the next verse. And the man of the place asked him of his wife. And he said, she is my wife. And the man of Gerah asked Isaac, who is, your, who is this woman, Rebecca? He said, Rebecca is my wife. What did he say? What did he say? Has that got something to do with the father? Hello? Somebody say parting. I can't hear you say parting. Say circle. So now you begin to ask yourself, what is it that is reoccurring in your life? That can be traceable to either your mother or your father or your uncles, your aunties, or your grandfather, or your grandmother, or your great-grandfather, or your great-grandmother. Has there been anything negative that has happened? You heard it. You were, you were told something negative that happened in the lifetime of your grandfather, or your father, or your great-grandfather, or your aunties, or your uncles, or your cousins. And then you can see that now you can you yourself can see that the same thing is happening with you. A man of God called me last week and had a problem with his cousin who is also a pastor. And he said to me, please, Bishop, 
I want you to help me to talk to my cousin and call him to order for me. So what is the problem? He narrated the problem. So I don't want to go into the problem. But at the tail end, listen carefully what he told me. He said, Bishop, this my cousin, this has been their character. His brothers and all his sisters and all our cousins, the same way they behave. Somebody say parting. I can't hear you say parting. Are you bored already? You can't be bored in today's service. Oh, because I'm bringing you knowledge. And not this knowledge will deliver your life. Can someone say a better amen? amen? He said, this my cousin. This is his character. This is his lifestyle. And it is traceable in all his siblings. And the rest of our cousins. But he's the only one that I flow with. So I am surprised that he's exhibiting this, thing, this lifestyle, this character, this pattern. Abraham go to the border of Egypt and said, Sarah, my wife, is my sister. Isaac, the son, also go to the border of Gera, the Philistines, and they said, who is this woman by your side? He said, she is my sister. She is my sister. For he feared to say, she is my wife. Did that happen to the father also? Lest said he, the men of the place should kill me for Rebecca. Did the father also say the same thing? All right. Because she was an ugly woman. She was what? Beautiful. She's the type that when you are driving, you cannot keep straight. Definitely you have to turn and look and go on and keep on driving. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, I'm speaking the truth too. Oh, a very. Uh-huh. Reverend Paddy said very. It's the truth I'm speaking. Praise the Lord. But, but you know what? <laughs> Let me balance it. It's not only women who turn and look at women. No. Women also turn and look at men. So women don't hide. You think we don't know. We know pa. We our own is open. You your own is undercover. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Am, am I talking to somebody? So look at the pattern. Look at the circle. Abraham feared that he would lose his wife because the wife is beautiful. They will kill him. So he has to quickly say, hey, we are brothers and sisters. So you can spare my life. Isaac also got to the same situation. Same, same situation. He also said, hey, they will kill me. You are a beautiful woman. Please, you are my sister. And when you go to the next verse, and it came to pass when he had been there a long time, that Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out at a window and saw, and behold, Isaac was sporting with Rebecca, his wife. So, this one, Abimelech one day was in his palace and decided to 
take a step and look through the window and then realize that ah, the woman that is your sister, uh, the way you are touching here and touching here, no, the thing is not sister matter. This is beyond sister matter. So they call him the next verse. And Abimelech called Isaac and said, Behold, of a surety, she's not your sister, she's your wife. And how sayest thou, she is my sister? And Isaac said unto him, Because I said, Lest I die for her. Ladies and gentlemen, there are certain things, eh? You better, you, 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 you better just speak the truth. And free yourself. Just better speak the truth and free yourself. There are certain things. Don't just try to don't just try to take your life out of it. Because as a father, as a parent, as a mother, whatever I am doing now is a seed I'm sowing. For the Bible says, "For God is not mocked." For whatever seed a man soweth, that he shall preach with me, that he shall reap. So whatever we do now, ladies and gentlemen, it's like, oh, it's a life. We are living our life. Oh, it's a lifestyle. It's a fashion. No. You are sowing a seed. Your sons and your daughters may not be there to see what you are doing. But Charlie, it's a seed you are sowing. So mostly in my personal private prayer closet, I will deal it out with God. I say, God, I know I'm not a perfect man, but please may he not be counted to my children. If you have found any fault with me, spare my children out of this. Is somebody hearing me? So Abraham lied to save his life. And I know most of us, we lie mostly to save our lives. We lie in the office to save a situation. In the church, we lie to save a situation. In our families, we lie to save a situation. In the community, we lie to save a situation. As a matter of fact, as I'm talking now, almost every one of us here, we are liars. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I know this, what I'm sharing to, with you today is not a typical message for Sunday morning. But that is what God must bring to you. If one or two or three people get delivered today, then I am fulfilled. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Hey, people can lie. Believers, don't speaking. We can lie and cast out. I don't know whether it, will, it is here I've shared this bef- with you before. Or somewhere. I was at a Holiday Inn hotel. And I'd gone there. I was actually driving. And I had to stop by Holiday Inn. Do one or two things. Then I decided to go to the ATM machine to cash some money. Then I continued my journey. Then there was a gentleman in front of, ahead of me using the machine. So, as we all do. I stood behind. And then while the gentleman was taking, doing his transaction with the machine, his phone rang. And then he picked the phone. Then I overheard the conversation. 
As if somebody asks him, where are you? Why are you late? Why are you not here by this time? Then what I hear from the gentleman is that, oh, Missy, Krumaya Basa, traffic, tra- traffic, chimidindimpa. And I said, oh, I didn't know that traffic can cheat somebody at ATM machine at Holiday Inn Hotel. Hello? Look into my face, I received a message. I know believers, Christians don't like when we are preaching practical messages like this. You only like the blessing, the blessing, the blessing, the blessing. Jump and take it, jump and catch it. I prophesy. I, that's what you people like. <laughs> but today you'll be, you'll be saved. We all will be delivered. In Jesus' mighty name. So I look at the gentleman and I say, Hey, Charlie, traffic at you. Hmm? Reverend Paddy, sometimes you can be at the beginning of the motorway coming towards Tema and you, you know you are running late to meet somebody. So, uh, what, what are you, Rev? We, we are waiting. Oh, oh I am just at a, a Shama over her bridge. But it's a seed we are sowing. Abraham had lied. He died. He was gone. But he passed it on over to his son Isaac. Isaac picked the same spirit and the same situation. He just acted the same way that the father acted. When you look at the lifestyle of Jacob, Jacob never lied about his wife though, but Jacob's lifestyle from the beginning was what? A zaman. So it is still continuing in the family pattern. In the family circle. Ladies and gentlemen. When we are talking about identifying. Tracing. And identifying evil family circles patterns. So you can deal with them and break them. It's very necessary. Very, very, very necessary. Something killed your grandfather. And something has killed your father. And the same thing is threatening your life. Or your, one of your brothers or your sisters. An evil pattern happening or evil cycle happening in some homes. That some women are allowed to marry and yet they don't have children. And it occurs. And it occurs. And it occurs in almost all the females in the family. Can somebody confirm that and say yes, it is true? Is it true? It is true. It happens. I will still use myself again as an example. Listen carefully. When I was not saved and I was young, I lost my mother at a very youthful age. 17. I lost my mother. At the age of 18, I lost my mother's brother. The one who followed her. But before 18 and 17, my mother's senior brother had died. Now, so we look at the three. Two uncles plus one mother, two, one sister died. But when we check their age at which they died, 
none of them died crossing 50 years. They all died before 50 years. 45, you have to go. Like that. So, one of my mother's brother, the elder one, his first son, who has never got to know Christ, but got himself involved in juju. We are talking about what? Evil circle, evil family patterns. His father died around 45 years, but he died even before 45 years. But he might not know what might have claimed his life. But to myself and my brother, Bishop Doe, when we realize the circle, the pattern at which our grandmother is losing her children and at the particular age that they were dying, we realize that there's something gone wrong. So we have to correct it. So we took it up in prayer and fasting. And we stood in the gap and we prayed and we fasted and we prayed and we fasted and we prayed. We were just dealing with the root cause. We didn't have the opportunity to go to our grandmother to find out why she was losing her children because we were in Accra and she was in the village so we have no means to go there but we just said that no matter what the root cause is we shall deal with it because this plague must stop. The plague must stop. So my grandmother had lost four of out of her six children before they turned 45 to 50 years and two were left two men were left plus us the grandchildren and we say if we don't stop this it will claim the other two and it will come to us so we dealt with it and we prayed and we prayed and we broke it our two surviving maternal uncles that are alive now, one is 85 years. The second one is about 80 years. And they are still strong. We, the grandchildren, because we trace that evil pattern that was claiming our grandmother's children, we, we dealt with it. You hear me? I'll be 61 years this year. My elder brother is about 67 years. My elder sister is about 70 years. And the one I follow is about 66. Are you hearing me? You must trace what is reoccurring in your home. What is reoccurring in your family. And what is reoccurring in your business life. And deal with it. You don't deal with it. It will deal with you. <laughs> Are you hearing me? If you don't rise to deal with the issue, that issue will rise up and grow more homes and deal with your life. So if you know that there are, there are drunkards in your family, trace it and see where that drunkenness is coming from. Where is the drunkenness coming from? Is the spirit of drunkenness trying to attack you? And convince you that though you are a tongue-speaking Christian, you can hide and do your booty once a while. 
it is coming gradually. My uncle, who is 85 years old, very honorable man, he raised me, he raised us up. He said, he told us a story. He said when he was growing as a young man, someone said evil family circle. He said when he was growing up, Papa One, he realized that he liked drinking alcohol. Young man. He would drink, he himself told us the story. He said he would drink and get drunk. And sometimes you just get drunk and just, you know how drunk, drunkards behave. Hmm? Not the one that you, you, you are drunk and you, but you can still drive to Humu. Not that type. The one that you drink, then you find yourself in the gutter or you find yourself in some bola somewhere or somebody has to come and carry you. They have to pour water on you. It's that kind of thing. So it's like an embarrassment to him. Young man, brilliant, with a great future. The devil wanted to mess him up. So he said one day, he just got up and said, this thing that I am going through, I cannot continue like that. He did not even take himself to any prophet. He didn't take himself to any deliverance minister. He, the man is a Roman Catholic faith man. He goes to count rosary. But he said to himself, this thing must stop. Can somebody say with me, this thing in my family background that is claiming lives, bringing shame and disgrace, it must stop. You better be wild this morning. Come on, shout, it must stop. Hallelujah. So he said to him, this thing must stop. So he purposed that he will not taste alcohol again. And the thing cut off. And I'll tell you. Then his, his junior cousin, who is also my uncle, who was in Trinity Seminary. You know Trinity Seminary? Legon. What is going, what, what do they do there? They train Osophos, right? But Osophos goes to school. He was, he was drunk. Osophos goes to school, he's booze. Osophos will get booze and sleep on school campus. The thing was becoming embarrassment. So it got to a time that the authorities of Trinity said, you are not fit to be here. So we have to expel you from the seminary. Then he said, one day, he also came to his senses. But for him, he took himself to a pastor and said, this is what is happening to me. Please help me with prayer. So they counsel him and they pray with him. And after they pray with him, that was the end of it. The thing cut off. But can I tell you a story? Can I tell you something? The root cause. Why is this man? And this thing I'm telling you, it's not only with the two of them. I just use the two of them because they are the prominent ones. The root cause was that their grandfather, who was my great-grandfather, is a fisherman. Who had gone for something. Somebody say something. Ask your neighbor, do you have something in your background? <laughs> you were born in the church, so you will not know. Go home and ask your parents. Especially your parents who are not born again. Ask them whether there is something 
in the background. Praise the Lord. Whether there is some Ebusian Konya, the Anglong, we call it Togbisiki. Praise the Lord. Whether there are some Togbisiki or there are some Busian Konya, uh, people have been bowing to, or people have been pouring libation to, or people have been. Are you hearing what I'm talking about this morning? Go and find out. So, this, our great grandfather, had gone for something. And the thing was aiding the fishing business. They were having bumper catch. They were having a lot of money. My great grandfather's name is Gakberto. It simply means that Niache. Nipa Owusika. Gakber. You understand? Gakber. So you are my brother. So maybe if you go home, uh, try to find out the Gakbetos. Yeah. They are rich. But you see, something was underground. So there's something that was aiding the fishing business. Hmm? You know there's something. I don't need to mention it, but there's something. That something needs to be drinking. Needs to be receiving sacrifices. So it got to a time that that something no, probably Odrukoni, they were, he was not being handled well. So, okay, if you are no more going to give me this, then I will make sure that I will pass it on to your generation. Most of you are city bonds. So what I'm sharing with you today will not make sense to you. But I'm giving you knowledge today for you to revolutionize your prayer life. So it was that something that was demanding drink, alcohol. So to, the way to demand drink was to cause the children to become drunkards. When they get drunk and they are messing up like that, then the something you know, is also being fulfilled. Someone say evil. Say with me, evil. evil. Family. Pattern. It claims lives. It, has been, it claims life. In my family background, it claims lives. It claims lives. It makes great men to become something. It makes great women to become something. But hear me, ladies and gentlemen. When it came to our generation, most of us turned out to become pastors, ministers of the gospel. And what was claiming the life of our uncles and our aunties the shame and the disgrace that they were going through. Some will rise, uh, they will just fall. Man. Some will have money, uh, then the money get vanish. What I'm sharing is happening in your home. <laughs> it's happening in your home. Some were rich now. They cannot see the money. But with the next generation, our generation... When we trace that and we identify it and we knew what was happening, we took it to prayer. This morning, I'll give you some moment to pray and attack your family background. I can't hear your amen. amen. You will attack your family background. Is somebody hearing me? Yes. So that the glory and the honor that God has given to us, has placed over us, that glory and honor will remain over us forever and ever. So we saw the pattern of Abraham and his son Isaac. Then we also saw the pattern in regards to myself, as I'm, I share with you. But now let me share the last pattern with you. 
Then you see something. Maybe the last but one. We'll still look at the lifestyle of Abraham and Isaac. But maybe not to bore you too much with scripture reading, you realize that Abraham, before he married Rebecca, before he married Sarai, Sarai, when Abraham married her, Sarai was barren. He was barren, she was barren before God called Abraham to leave the father's house. Sarah was already barren. She wasn't having a child. And when they had left, Abraham had left the father's household with his wife, he had left with a barren woman. So the woman was already barren. And they have journeyed with God for 25 years before the covenant child came, Isaac came. Now let's look at the life of Isaac again. When Isaac married Rebekah, Look at the pattern again here. Rebecca became barren. And it took Rebecca 20 years before she had a child. What are you talking about here? Is that not an evil pattern? Are you here with me? You better be angry, identify, trace it, identify it, and deal with it once and for all. If you don't deal with it, you'll pass it on to your children. Someone say Amen. it shall be said the fathers ate sour grape and the children's edge is set at edge no 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 it should not be like that everybody must carry his own problem our fathers have seen they must carry their iniquities the, the, the consequences of their sin we must not be benefactors of what our parents have gone through can somebody say amen I hear you and we must guard ourselves. If we say we are born again, we are children of God, we are sons and daughters of the Most High, listen carefully, we must order our life according to the pattern of the scriptures. But the pattern there is a good pattern. It doesn't matter. People said the Bible of the Christians is written by men. I don't care. Because God himself will not come down from heaven. God is a spirit. Those that worship him must worship him in and in truth. So God wants to, to hand over this Bible down to the generation. God as a spirit will not come down and write. Definitely he will have to appoint men to write. And the Bible says men who were inspired by the spirit of God. Influenced by the spirit of God. So if you are sitting down there and then you are you agree with the argument of people that the Bible was written by men. The Bible was written by men. And some preachers, some foolish and wicked preachers and fake preachers have a problem with the Bible. And say the Bible is just a storybook. The Bible has no power. Oh, sir. It's not true. So me, for me, I don't care. Whether it is a man who wrote the Bible. What I care about is that when I read the Bible, I see revelations. When I read the Bible, I see guidance. When I read the Bible, I see God's protection. When I read the Bible, I see God's promises. And those promises, they are yea and they are amen. Am I talking to somebody right here? 
When I read the Bible and I study the Bible, I see the blessings of God. When I read the Bible, I see, listen carefully, how can it be that hands will just be laid upon a man? Excuse me, prof. You just lay a hand upon a man and the man said, my heart, my heart, my heart. But you just lay a hand and say, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke that heart attack. Be healed right now. Then immediately, the person said, I am healed. How can it be? If it's a man, it's an ordinary man who wrote the Bible. Is somebody hearing me? How can you just come and hand it just laid upon you and say, receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Which you have never done before. How can that happen? Hello, are you here with me? Can I establish today with my brethren in Adonai that the Bible is not written by ordinary men. It is not flesh and blood that wrote the Bible. So please, don't agree with those things that you are hearing on social media. That it is ordinary man who wrote the Bible. Once you agree to it, your life will be in jeopardy. Hallelujah. But God wants you to be blessed. I said God wants you to be blessed. I said God wants to deliver you. God wants to bring you out. Somebody shout hallelujah. The Bible said that. And the Bible, the scriptures were written for our example. So, one of the examples for us to learn from is what I am digging out now to do. To show you the lifestyle pattern of Abraham and his son. Abraham lied. The son lied. Abraham's wife was barren 25 years before she had a child. Rebecca also was barren. 20 years before she has a child. Is that not a pattern? It's a demonic pattern. That needs to be broken. I don't need to talk much. Let me end by showing you another pattern. Then we pray. Let me end by showing you another pattern. Then we pray. Look at Genesis chapter 11. No, let me take you to 1 Kings chapter 11, sorry. 1 Kings chapter 11 verse 3. You can take me from verse 1. 1 Kings chapter 11 verse 1. But King Solomon loved many strange women together with the daughter of Pharaoh. Women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonians, and the Hittites. Of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, Ye shall not go into them, neither shall they come in unto you. For surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clave unto this, unto this in love. The very thing that God said he should not do, he did it. The very thing that his own father, David, had counseled him of, he did it. But it, it, it wasn't his fault. But let's see. And he has 700 wives. I'll show you a pattern there. He has 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines. And his wives turned away his heart. But you see, Solomon, we condemn Solo, Uncle Solo, seven 
hundred wives, three hundred concubines. The guy is a macho man. We are reminding ourselves again. Seven hundred wives, three hundred concubines. Me, I don't know how he handled them. But guess what? Solo have to raise the bar because his father David had married over eight wives. And the Bible said he had eight wives with many children and other wives that have also given him children. So other wives, we don't know the number of them. So the other wives can be two. Otherwise, it can be five. Otherwise, it can be ten. Ten plus eight, eighteen, probably. Hello? Praise the Lord. Church, praise the Lord. Oh, it's like I'm boring you. Are you learning something? Okay, so, so when Solo was growing up, he heard that uh, my father had many you. So me too, I had to follow the steps. Uh, so Solo started. But you see, for Solo, Solo wanted to be very smart. The father was a warrior. But Solo, for him, he said, I don't want to fight. So what I will do is that to bring peace to my kingdom, I will marry all the women from the kingdom that surrounds me. The very thing the father warned him, and God also warned him of. That's what he did. So look at the number of wives he has. Okay. Now, so Solo also had, has raised the bar from the father David. He raised the bar that until today, nobody could challenge him. There are men we have today who claim they have 10 wives, they have 20 wives, they have 15 wives, they have 30 wives, but none of them can have 700. Ever since the days of Solo, no man has ever reached that. So nobody has broken the record yet. But guess what happened? Solo also had a son called Rehoboam. And Rehoboam, when Rehoboam also was growing up, he also took after the father. I won't go into the scripture, but I'll give you the scripture to go and read after church. He also took after Solo. And the Bible said, and Rehoboam also had 18 wives. At least he has also dropped the bar. Right? He also dropped the bar from 700 to 18. So raise it from the father let's say 10 on 12 to 700 but Rehoboam brought it down to 18 then Rehoboam also had a son called let me I think Abijah Rehoboam's son is called Abijah and Abijah when Abijah also was growing up Abijah also married 14 wives. He also brought it down. And I want to believe that if the genealogy should be traced further, you realize that the number of wives that Solo had, raising it from that of the father, then his generation, they were bringing it down. Ladies and gentlemen, once you are in Christ, the new covenant teaches us that a man cannot have two wives. If you have two wives in the world, 
before you come to know Christ. Praise the Lord. No problem. But in Christ, hear me very well. You cannot be in Christ now and be desiring for two, three wives. Some people said, want to go back to the days of Old Testament. Because the Old Covenant, men were allowed to marry as many women that they want to marry. But no, we are now in the disposition of the New Covenant. Can I clarify it again? So that is why, you see, in the church, in the early church of Corinth, in other places, there were men in the church that had three wives, two wives, four wives. But Paul came and said, if any man desire the office of the bishop, if any man desire the office of the deacon, he must be a man of one wife. So I asked the question, does that mean that there were other men in the congregation that had more than one wife and are not qualified to become deacons and bishops? Praise the Lord. And if we want to buttress this argument, I strongly believe that those men in the congregation in the days of Paul, they might have married those three, four, five wives before they got to know Christ. And some years back, there was a kind of teaching that went on. And said, if you have four wives and you are now born again, you might divorce all your wives and keep only your first wife. And I said, that is rubbish to me. If you divorce the three wives, who will go and marry them? And who will care for them? But there was no wisdom in those early days of the charismatic and Pentecostal movement. Did somebody hear me? But what are we tracing this morning? What we are tracing that we are trying to trace patterns and circles in our family backgrounds that does not bring us prosperity and does not bring us glory and does not bring us honor. If you can trace it in your home, in your background, then now is the moment for you to rise up against it. The church didn't say amen. amen. You must rise up against it. Somebody say amen. amen. For we are New Testament generation. And we must be free from what our forefathers have carried in the past. To conclude, and give you some time to pray, then I hand over the microphone. To conclude, somebody will say that, how did these evil circles occur in our families? It occurs very simple. If you have been told before, you will realize that they say your great-grandmother was barren and needed a child badly. She was not having a child. So she went to some place. Hello? Are you here with me? She went to some place and certain things were done and certain covenants were cut and then she had a child. That one is a problem. So the place your great-grandmother went to have the child and the child grew to have your mother and your mother have you, you know that there's a lineage to that thing over there. Praise the Lord. So when you grow up, you begin to pay that thing, that lineage. So 
There are certain demonic covenants that our great parents, great parents have gone into. And those covenants, most of them die leaving us without telling us into details what they have done in those days. And today we are suffering for it. We must rise up against it. I say we must rise up against it. And God is a merciful God. My people perish for lack of my people perish for lack of my people perish for lack of now you are receiving knowledge. So you must not go through what your parents have gone through. You must not go through what your grandparents have gone through. You must not go through what your great grandparents have gone through in the past. Let the church say amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So sometimes it's evil covenants that brings that problem. Then also, the second thing out of my study, I've realized also was that these evil patterns or circles happens in our backgrounds just as a result of the quest of our parents trying to exchange something for something. Like I said it, my great grand has gone for something to aid his fishing business. You see? So a link has been established. A link has been established. So that link, if it's not properly dealt with, it will be eaten into the family like that. It generations, 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 generations. I knew a man who had lived who had lived his life at Medina so many, some years back. Brilliant man, clever man, had graduated from University of Cape Coast, Cape Vars, with honors, first class honors. But that man, Papa Wan, suffered unemployment. He has lived, he has stayed home for over 10 to 15 years without getting being employed. But the man carried documents. The man carried which I say, but no employment. But the guy also graduated with honors. First class. Something was wrong somewhere. This morning, I want to give you an opportunity to go into your background. Can somebody say amen? amen. So check yourself out. What is real caring in your lineage? Your father's lineage, your mother's lineage. What is real caring? Young guys, if you don't do it, if you don't take Christianity for Joko, young ladies, don't take Christianity for Joko. The thing that is real caring, if you don't deal with it, eh, I told you, I repeat it again, that thing will rise and deal with you. Can somebody rise on your feet with a clap offering to Jesus? <laughs> clap your hands to Jesus. It is good to have an information and to receive knowledge and to make an attempt to come out of what has been a canker in the home than not to know what is going on and you just accept it as norm. Normal. You know people accept things as normal. No, it cannot be normal. It cannot be normal. 
Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, but say, say, oh, say, ah, Nyami Amboye, yeah, oh, yeah, yes, sir. Nyami Bobia, yeah. Hello? God has made all of us equal and gave every one of us equal opportunity. But some way, somehow, our great parents have dabbled in some things, have cast a covenant somewhere, have been disobedient to the, you understand what I'm talking about? And it is causing us, our sons, for us to set our teeth at edge while they have eaten the sour grape. Somebody say with me today, say minus me. I can feel you, say minus me. I'm not sure you are serious. Say minus me. Come on, say in the name of Jesus. With this knowledge and understanding, I declare. I can't feel you. I declare. I can't feel you. I declare. I can't feel you. Say, I declare. In the name of Jesus. By the power of the Holy Spirit. Right now. Right now. Every evil reoccurrence. In my family, background, maternal, paternal, background, right now, that has claimed lives, that has brought shame and disgrace unto many in my family. Come on, say, right now, I attack it by the root, by the foundation. I bind, I bind, I bind. I bind. Are you serious? I bind. In the name of Jesus. Come on, declare war. 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 What is it that has happened in the life of your father? And it's like it's happening in your life. Declare war. Pray. Pray. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah.